Have you ever come home from a long day just to find out that that meat you needed for your recipe has totally slipped your mind the last time you went to the grocery store? Well, with the help of ButcherBox, you might never have to deal with that problem ever again. With ButcherBox, you get the convenience of having high-quality meat and seafood delivered straight to your door. Not to mention the peace of mind you get to feel knowing that it's 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free. All humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. Let ButcherBox help make your life even easier. No grocery store required. In addition to free shipping on every order, you get to curate your box plans, have access to member-exclusive deals, get recipe ideas and inspiration, as well as helpful tips. You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com morningcup and use the code morningcup at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash morningcup and use the code morningcup. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. What happens if a case is presented with only one suspect? That person will more than likely be convicted and sent away for a long time. What happens if there are multiple suspects, but for one reason or another, police never take them into consideration? On February 20th, 2009, a woman was killed while lying in her bed asleep. A woman who, despite having a dangerous ex, saw a young boy being charged for her murder. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On February 20th, 2009, Kenzie Marie Hoke of New Beaver, Pennsylvania, eight months pregnant with her child, was shot in the back as she lay sleeping in the bed she usually shared with her fiancé. As she lay dying in the bedroom, Kenzie's four-year-old daughter ran out and alerted the nearby tree cutters that something was wrong with her mommy. Just about 45 minutes after her older sister, seven, and the 11-year-old son of her mother's fiancé, had boarded the bus and headed to school. As police came to the scene, a shocking truth was revealed. The murder weapon was a 20-gauge shotgun and, when searching the home, police did find a Harrington and Richardson 20-gauge shotgun that, to the best of their knowledge, could be the murder weapon. But it wasn't your standard-sized weapon. No, it appeared that, if this was in fact their murder weapon, Kenzie was killed with the youth model, and, much to their horror, was the exact gun given to 11-year-old Jordan Brown for Christmas just a few months before. Once police found a spent shell on the path the kids took to their school bus, they knew that they needed to bring the child in for questioning. Working under the opinion that Jordan took his newly purchased hunting rifle, shot his stepmother in full view of her children, 
cleaned up and went to school with his stepsister as if nothing happened, he was officially arrested on February 21st, 2009 and placed in the Lawrence County Jail, a facility made for housing adult offenders. His attorneys eventually argued his way into a juvenile detention center the following month. Jordan Brown, born August 12, 1997, was initially charged as an adult for the murder of his father's fiance and his new half-sibling. This was, regardless of the offender's age, required by the Pennsylvania law. If the charges stayed as is, Jordan would be facing a potential life sentence without the chance of parole. If they were changed to that of a juvenile, then he would remain in a detention center until he reached the age of 21. Many, including human rights organizations like Amnesty International, opposed the effort to try Jordan as an adult, and a petition protesting the denial of his Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights was signed by nearly 4,000 individuals. Presiding Judge Dominic Moto was initially against the transfer to the juvenile court on the basis that, despite his arrest, Jordan Brown was maintaining his innocence in the murder of his future stepmother. After Pennsylvania Superior Court ruled that Judge Moto violated his Fifth Amendment rights by refusing the transfer, the judge recused himself from the trial and Judge John W. Hodge granted the decertification petition and ruled to try Jordan as a juvenile. After some arguments over whether the trial should be open to the public or not, on April 13, 2012, the judge ruled that Jordan Brown was responsible for the first-degree murder of 26-year-old Kenzie Hoke and the murder of her unborn male child. He was given the juvenile equivalent of a guilty verdict, and the now 15-year-old boy was placed in custody where he would remain until his 21st birthday in August of 2018. Then, on May 8, 2013, the Superior Court, in a second appeal for his case, ruled that, quote, the juvenile court committed a palpable abuse of discretion in rendering a ruling that is plainly contrary to the evidence and vacated Jordan's disposition of delinquency. According to their ruling, the verdict was made solely based on the fact that, in their opinion, no one else but Jordan could have shot Kenzie Hoke, which, in the eyes of many, was not necessarily true. Judge Hodge issued a juvenile court opinion on April 19, 2015, and, again, found that Jordan was guilty of the murder. A third appeal was taken back to the Superior Court, and in a split panel on September 1, 2016, his sentence was affirmed and the claims that the juvenile court had improperly reassessed the evidence of his case was rejected. He remained in juvenile detention until June 13, 2016, two months before his 19th birthday, when Judge Hodge placed him on probation and released him into the custody of his uncle, who lived in Ohio. While his lawyers continued to file appeals, Jordan would remain on probation until he turned 21. Then, on July 18, 2018, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned his conviction in a 5-0 decision and attacked the complete lack of evidence connecting him to the case, saying that the only measure of his guilt was his ownership of a gun that the investigators could not even be certain was the murder weapon. There was no DNA, no fingerprint evidence, and no proof that the shotgun found in Jordan's room was, if actually the murder weapon, yielded by the 11-year-old boy. Jordan was officially discharged and, due to double jeopardy, cannot be retried for the murder. 
After his release, Jordan, now in his early 20s, went off to college to study computer science. He has said in many interviews that he still suffers from PTSD, asserts his complete innocence, and has vowed to make something of his new free life. He has since filed a lawsuit against various officers involved in his case. He alleges that the officers, some now retired, manipulated interviews, tampered with evidence, and went against procedure to try and push the narrative that he killed Kenzie Hoke rather than try to search for another potential suspect. He claims they failed to follow the proper protocol for questioning children, didn't record his first interview, allowed multiple adults in the room, talked about the case in front of him and his stepsisters, and interviewed his seven-year-old stepsister multiple times after she claimed not to hear or see anything unusual in her first few. It was only after a fourth interview and after a discussion with the child's grandparents where they voiced their suspicion of Jordan that the young girl changed her story to say she heard a bang and saw him with the gun. Another allegation made in the lawsuit claims that an interview with one of Jordan's father's ex-girlfriends said that she was in no way fearful of Jordan Brown. But in the summary of that interview provided by troopers, it was stated that the woman did not want her interview used against the boy because she was scared of him. This was one of a few incorrect characterizations in the summaries. They also claim that police completely ignored the fact that Kenzie's ex-boyfriend, Adam Harvey, had threatened both her and her family on multiple occasions, had a restraining order out against him, had moved into the same area, and had just found out that he was not the father of their youngest daughter. In fact, they didn't even include any exculpatory evidence indicating that someone else could possibly have committed the murder, hinging the entire case on an 11-year-old boy instead. Of course, not everyone is convinced that Jordan was an innocent pawn in Kenzie's case, with her mother saying, without a shadow of a doubt, that Jordan Brown killed her daughter in cold blood. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on February 21st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.